0: Welcome to Stone Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. I know we've just had the elections and some people are sad, some people are glad, some people are mad. Whatever (laughs) Whatever your stance is, I believe the Lord is advancing in this nation. I believe God is on the move. God is on the move, and uh, I do believe the Lord isn't finished with the United Kingdom. I came here as a missionary, I came here when I was 17, that was 2001, my parents are missionaries as well, Uh, my dad is from Nigeria, my mom is from Ghana, I was born in Liberia, my wife is from Stockport, (laughs) so uh, I came here with a heart desire to see God move in this nation, and, uh, you know, years ago, you'd know that missionaries left the shores of the British Isles to impact the nations of the earth. And right now, God's sending missionaries back uh, because this nation needs an awakening. Amen. For those of us who are not originally British and white and, you know, our parents or grandparents are not from this land, I want to remind you that God has apportioned you to be in the United Kingdom for such a time as this because you have a part to play in the revolution and revival that he wants to bring to the nation so if you've come from ghana you've come from nigeria you've come from south africa you've come from asia wherever you come from god has sent you on an assignment now the missionaries that left these shores many of them are left with their coffins did you know that Many of them went to Nigeria, went to West Africa with their coffins because they were not expecting to come back. And many of them died there. They learned the language. Some of them died of malaria. And all they wanted w- was for God, to, for the kingdom of God to advance. And they were wanting to be a sacrifice. They wanted to sacrifice their lives for the gospel. And don't you tell me that God has forgotten the sacrifice of any of those missionaries that left these shores many years ago. There's no way God has for, there's no way heaven has forgotten the blood that was shed for the sake of the gospel. There's, it's impossible. Okay, So uh, when the Lord is sending people like me and others back to this nation it's a shame listen, it's a shame for missionaries to have left these shores ready to die and people like me come back just wanting to live. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for a reason. And some people come here with offense of what the British Empire did, or they did this, they did. You know what? We're not living in that era anymore. And there's been a lot of repentance. And even though I do agree that there are things that were done that were not of God... I do know that God has an anointing on this land for the propagation of the gospel. Now, there may have been a perversion of it, but we are not coming into partnership with that perversion, and we're not living on the curse and the unforgiveness. Some people just live under that their whole life, and they live with a chip on their shoulder, and all they see is the offense of the past, and they never get over it, and they continue. Are you hearing me? We've got to move past that. There's more that God wants to do. And we're not living in that era anymore. God is a God of redemption. He's a God of reconciliation. Okay? Joseph was thrown in the pit by his brothers. But when he was put on that, on that throne and he was an influencer, he wasn't just living from the offense of the past. Are you hearing me today? Some black people in the room. <laughs> we're not living by offense, right? You know, it's how everything is racism. You know, I am black, okay, and I'm, I'm proud to be who God's called me to. be. I'm married to a white person, but I don't go around just living based on the fact that I am black. And any time I go into the shop and someone is horrible to me, oh, it's racism. Any time, are you hearing me? Just just throwing the racist card everywhere. Because I'm living with this chip on my shoulder from the offense of the past I never actually got over. So I see everything through the... Is, is anyone... <laughs> I don't know why I'm starting my preach with this point, because <laughs> it's unusual for me to start talking in this way. However, I am saying God has got an assignment for the people in this nation, especially those who have uh, uh, migrated here. There's an assignment for you here. So don't get distracted, you know, even by the news media and all the things going on out there. You know, I hope you don't get your information just from BBC and, and Sky News, and take that as the gospel because there's a lot of things that are being propagated right now that's just a dilution of what's really going on. Are you hearing me today? Heaven has headlines about the United Kingdom. Have you bothered to check into Heaven's headlines today? Or all, is all you listen to is BBC? If all you listen to is BBC and Sky News, then all your press is going to be based on human interpretations of what's going on on the earth. And you're bringing to God oftentimes a perverted view of what's going on. So you may even get stirred up in anger, but you're stirred up with the wrong perception. You have no idea what's actually going on behind the scenes. So I want to challenge you, and I think it's a really critical time as believers for us to be very in tune with the realm of the Spirit. And as we're looking in the natural and seeing what's happening... We're saying, Lord, what is really going on in the spirit? What is, I I know this is what BBC is saying, but Lord, what are you really saying about this? What's really going on? And how can we pray in alignment with what you want? His kingdom comes. His will needs to be done. Not your will. So some Christians voted Labor. Some Christians voted Conservative. And some Christians voted Liberal Democrat. In fact, some Christians voted the Brexit party. But we're praying, your will be done. His will is not your will. So, the Christians that voted conservative, and the ones that voted Brexit party, and the ones that voted liberal, one of us has to be wrong. Are you hearing me today? One of us has to be in alignment with his will. Now, I'm not trying to say God's will is a party. God's will, God can move through an unsafe person. God... Have you heard Osiris, <laughs> right? He wasn't a, a, a believer, but God used them in the destiny of a nation. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to advance a political party or an ideology from that. I'm trying to say God's will for a nation in terms of governmental rule is often not our will. So as believers, you need to say, Lord, what is your will? And are you okay for his will to not be your will? Because if you're upset about that, then maybe you're not really submitted to His will. You just want your will to be done, not His will to be done. I don't know why I started that way, but hey, here we are. <laughs> We've just had the elections, so maybe that's what's on my mind. Now, Luke 1:26. I believe God's moving in the United Kingdom. I believe we're seeing a manifestation of God's mercy on this nation. I believe something is going on that we all don't have a full understanding of, but I believe God is at work. The enemy wants to rip this nation apart, but God is God has a love for this land because of the seeds that were sown. I believe the prayers of John Wesley, the prayers of Evan Roberts, the prayers of Smith Wigglesworth, the prayers of Jeffrey Brothers, the prayers of all those who've gone to heaven, the prayers of all these people that God has used. Mary Slessor. How many of you know some of these missionaries? Those prayers, God has not forgotten and prayers never die did you hear what I said prayers never die you might be here thinking I've been praying for so long prayers never die prayers from the heart they never die they just accumulate and when that bowl of intercession is full there's going to be a tipping over so you better make sure you don't give up because you're not seeing the full manifestation God has not forgotten those prayers God has not forgotten those prayers Okay, let's get to this verse. Let's get to this verse. <laughs> Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That's all I want to read from that uh, uh, passage. Uh, It's a Christmas season, and lots of people are going to be looking at the Christmas story. I'm amazed at a lot of things, and one of it is the fact that in the Pentecostal charismatic church, we don't tend to honor the life of Mary, oftentimes because of the fear of stepping into idolatry that we have seen some others do, where it seems like they worship Mary. Now, we don't worship Mary, but I'm telling you, the person Mary is a significant character in Scripture. And I don't even know, when was the last time you heard her preach on Mary? <laughs> now, this woman was and is, because she's still alive in heaven, a woman of God. Okay? Think about the fact that the eyes of God go throughout the whole earth, searching. And in God's searching Lots of humans on the earth. He was able to come to settle on this one human. How many people did God have to pass by to get to Mary? And why did God have to pass so many people by To get to Mary, why did God choose Mary? There's something about her life that was in alignment with the agenda of God and the values of heaven that God could entrust her with something so significant to change the rest of the world. Listen to me Mary was a revivalist. Why do I say Mary was because she gave birth to revival, revival is God's arrival. Jesus shows up and that is revival. The woman who was called to carry revival had to go through some things in her life to get to the place where God could entrust her with revival in her womb. God could not put Jesus in any common womb. It had to be a consecrated womb. It had to be a set-apart womb. How many of us want to really see revival? I I mean, when I say revival, I don't mean a nice church service and the church is packed out and lots of people come in because we have a nice guest speaker and we have a nice worship band and everything looks amazing. That is not really... Now, God can move, but when we say revival, we overuse that word. And maybe a better word is awakening or maybe even reformation. Something that has an impact on society. Something that goes beyond just a nice goosebump feeling in the church. Where people on the streets and people in parliaments like the World revival where footballers are not showing up to football games because they're in the church repenting. When was the last time that happened to Arsenal? <laughs> footballers don't show up because they're in the church repenting because now money is not their idol anymore. God has captured their hearts and football is not their idol. Now they just, are you hearing me? that boggles the mind because that's what it looks like when God moves. Things happen, they're like, what on earth? You mean they didn't show because something has impacted their hearts. So when we say Mary was a revivalist and she carried something from heaven, we're not just talking of a nice church service. What she carried impacted the whole world. And you're called to do the same. It's not just women that have wombs. Men in the spirit also have wounds. So you might be a man looking at me, but you actually may have suffered a lot of spiritual abortions. My goodness. <laughs> because God put things in your heart, and it was it never got to maturity, or God planted ideas visions, things it called you to do and because of wrong associations, because of sin, because of addictions, whatever it is, you've aborted things for your life that were actually called to impact many people. Now you may be sat there looking at me right now but when heaven looks at you heaven doesn't just see you heaven sees the communities and the nations that are connected to you because right right there you sat with me but maybe God called you to be a missionary to Brazil. And in Brazil, there's a community where you're going to go, let's just say 10 years from now. And when you step into that community and you do whatever God's called you to do, that whole community may come to faith. Now, you may not have a revelation of that right now, but God knows that 10 years from now, Brazil is going to be impacted. Somewhere in Brazil, there's going to be a thousand people that will come to Christ because of your testimony. When God looks at you right now, he doesn't just see you. He sees those thousand people locked up in you. you. Are you hearing me? So you're called to carry revival. You're called to carry something and be faithful to get to the end process and give birth to that thing. Why did God pick Mary? I believe because of purity. God wasn't going to put the magnitude of the seed of Jesus in just any common womb. It had to be a womb that was consecrated. It had to be a womb that was set apart. It had to be a womb that was pure. No contaminations. The move of God that we want to see in the nation is going to come from the place of purity. It's going to come from the place of holiness. Some of you have aborted God's purposes for your life because of your agreement with darkness. You cannot carry the holy seed and mix that with all the ideologies and all the filth of the world. We are going to see the spirit of God poured out without measure when God can find a people without mixture. Mixing and matching what God wants to do with what the world is doing and trying to please the world. Okay. In the time we're living in right now, it's a difficult thing oftentimes to stand on the truth of what the Bible says because of the pressure and because of all the lobby groups, because of all the voices and political correctness. But I want to sound this alarm right here because I know you've been through this as a church. You see this Bible? It would never be politically correct. You have to settle that. As long as your heart is to please the masses and to please the media and to please everybody else, you're going to get to a place where you're going to start to water down what God really says, all for the sake of wanting to please people. And so you lose your edge. Now, the point is not that you become a horrible person, that you become a person that is just speaking all these words and trying to be a, a bigot. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're going to settle in your heart that the word of God is not going to be politically correct, and you've got to be able to embrace, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, the stigma that comes as a result of saying yes. To carry revival. Okay, let's talk about Mary. Can you try to... Un- I mean, my mind cannot comprehend this. Maybe you can. How can Mary go to people and say to them, Hey, I have been impregnated by a ghost. <laughs> can, you, can you fathom how crazy... That is, to the natural mind. It's crazy to try to explain to anyone what was going there. See, there's some things God's doing that you will never be able to explain. And the more you try to explain it, it's like you're digging yourself in the ditch. And people are going to see you as more crazy. Because to the unspiritual man, the things of the spirit is foolishness. And as long as you're trying to make the things of the spirit make sense to the man of the flesh, see, this is why you cannot argue someone into Christianity. Now, I do believe in apologetics. I don't believe there's a place for that. But Paul the apostle did not become a believer because of some great uh, uh, teacher of the word that could argue. Listen, even if you were the best theologian in Paul's day and you sat down with Saul, who became Paul, and you tried to convince him that Jesus was the Messiah, it doesn't matter how great your arguments were. You would not have been able to convince Saul. Are you hearing me? The only thing that would have made the difference if your words going into Saul's house were anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so Saul now has a revelation. The only thing that's going to change people's house, it's, it's a miracle. That's why salvation is a miracle. It's not just you arguing them into the faith. It's the Holy Spirit laying hold of their hearts. Now, yes, you need to know the scriptures. Yes, you need to know the word of God. But God moving in this community is not about your ability to communicate the gospel. Now, God wants you to communicate the gospel. You shall preach. We're called to preach the gospel. But we get it wrong oftentimes and think it's, it's our ability to preach and our skill in communication that leads to the salvation. No. Read the book of Acts. Read Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Just read it. It's not the greatest articulation you've ever heard of the gospel. It's not the greatest sermon in terms of what, I mean, we just have a record of it. And I guarantee you, if God were to be able to take you back in time, and you were to be able to sit down in that meeting and hear Peter preach, you wouldn't think to yourself, wow, that's the best sermon I ever heard. There are preachers today that probably will out-preach Peter. When Peter preached that message, it wasn't about his communication skill. It was about the fact that before he preached, there was fire resting on him. So when he spoke, do you know what came out? Fire. And when he spoke, people's hearts were set on fire. So it wasn't his ability to speak. It was the spirit behind the words. So you need to understand the things of the spirit would never make sense to a natural man. Mary was not going to be able to explain to people who made her pregnant. Now look at what the angel said to Mary. Rejoice, highly favored. The angel didn't say, Rejoice, favored one. He says, Mary, you are. Everyone say highly. (laughs) When God says you're highly favored, that is a whole nother realm of favor. That is a whole nother dimension of God's blessing in your life. The 21st century church has a wrong idea, oftentimes, of what favor is. How is it that God said to Mary, You're highly favored? And now, she's stuck with a situation where she's struggling to explain how she got pregnant. How is it that the Holy Spirit said to Mary, you're highly favored. And now, she's a stigma and an embarrassment to a family. How is it that the Lord said to Mary, you're highly favored. And from the moment God said you're highly favored, her life starts to go downhill. Could it be that we have the wrong idea of what favor really is? Favor is not a nice house. Favor is not a nice car. Favor is not a big ministry. Are you hearing me today? Some of you are going through difficult circumstances... And you're like, well, Lord, I don't don't think I have your favor. Listen, Mary was going through difficult circumstances, and that was the sign of God's favor on your life. Could it be that the difficulties you're complaining about is actually the favor of God on your life? Because you have to go through... Oh, my gosh. You have to go through the difficulty... Because of what is on the other side of the difficulty. And God, when he allowed you to go through that difficulty, he knew what was on the other side. And what's on the other side is your birth in revival, your birth in transformation. But all you're seeing right now is the difficulty. And so you think you don't have favor. But the difficulty is God actually, it's called the wisdom of God. He's blinding the eyes of the devil to what you actually carry. Oh my God. Listen, the wisdom of God, you have no idea. You have no, the wisdom of God blows my mind. Because Satan, one of the most intelligent beings that God has ever created, even did not understand the plan of God. God prophesied that the seed of of, of the woman was going to crush his head. So, all through scripture, Satan is looking for that seed. And Satan is listening to the words of the prophets. So, the prophets, they're prophesying. You know, a son is born. Yeah, what's it? A son, you know, Isaiah, you know the scriptures. <laughs> a child is born, a son is given. You know, Satan is listening to the prophetic words and he's also studying the scriptures. So, he's kind of tracing it. And then, Jesus is born. If Satan had a full understanding of the plan of God. Okay, let let me just backtrack. So, Satan tries to kill Jesus through Herod. He kills all the babies. And Jesus escaped because God hid him. If Satan knew where Jesus was, he would have killed him. Right? Because his intention was to kill Jesus. But God hid him. And when John the Baptist identified him, Satan said, okay, so this is the guy. Right? Are you hearing me? <laughs> so all the arsenal of hell is now targeting Jesus. And their goal is now to kill him. But Satan has no idea that that was part of God's wisdom. Because he had to die. So let let me put it this way. Satan helped God achieve his purpose. Without realizing he had no idea about the hidden wisdom of God in the death of Jesus. Because the Bible says if Satan knew, he would not have crucified the lord of glory so that says he didn't know what he was doing when he did it listen there are prophecies in the bible satan heard them and in fact i was saying this to my wife recently when you read the bible sometimes it's quite complicated i don't know if you realize (laughs) you're reading those prophecies in isaiah like one earth because god was speaking but he was speaking in coded language Uh, Are you hearing me? (laughs) He released his plans and his mysteries through his prophets in coded language. So only those with a decoder, i.e. Holy Spirit, can decode what was actually being said that the ears and the natural eyes and the demonic eye cannot see. Are you hearing me today? So God hid his plan. In mystery and even though everyone is reading in black and white they have no idea what God was actually saying and planning to do. So Satan became part of God's pl- Satan. Satan ended up helping God fulfill his plan. That's why he was embarrassed in hell because he had no idea that this is God's plan. The reason why I'm using that as an illustration is to show you that oftentimes God hides his purposes and he uses the mystery of difficulties, circumstances, Mary, stigma, Mary, to hide what he's actually wanting to release in that generation. Because he's wanting to protect it. And he's wanting it to get to a place of maturity. Not just conception. It has to mature in the womb. And then it has to be birth. Some people conceive, but don't get to the stage of birthing. All because they give up along the way. Comparing themselves with a Christian down the road that seems to have the favor of God. Lord, they're blessed. Lord, they have cars and houses and children. And Lord, I have none. Well, I guess I'm not blessed. Well, I guess you're not calling me. Well, I guess you don't love me. And you know what? Stop coming to church and stop dis- uh, engaging. With God. And now they're offended at God. And that offense is the poison that kills the seed in the womb that they were carrying. They had no idea about. They were carrying all along. Are you hearing me? So God anointed and called Mary to carry something that will change the nations of the earth, the whole world forever. Another character in Scripture that's similar to Mary is Hannah. Hannah was set aside to carry something of great significance that would impact the whole nation, and we're not going to read the passage because of time right now. But you can read this later on if you want. In First Samuel chapter one, you read about um, Hannah's life. She is one of two wives. The first wife. He says, the first wife has sons and daughters. So that means the first wife had at least two boys and two girls. And Hannah had none, zero. So that's many years. And so we read about Hannah going into the temple and praying intensely, praying in anguish. And then Eli sees her and basically gives her a word. And basically God answers her prayer. And in the next year, she has a child, Samuel. So, what we have recorded is the final prayer that brought the breakthrough. Hannah had been praying long before that prayer we read or you read in 1 Samuel 1. Are you hearing me? For many years, Hannah had been praying. But the manifestation of the breakthrough is what we have uh, recorded the, the final prayer that broke the breakthrough is what we have recorded in First Samuel 1. But that was not the beginning of the breakthrough. What we have recorded is the prayer is like, imagine this is a massive, big wall, and I've got a massive hammer, and I'm trying to bring the wall down. Let's say it's the 80th hit that brings the wall down. The wall actually didn't come down on the 80th hit. It hit. The wall, the wall started coming down on the first hit. But the fact that I didn't see the crack in the wall, the fact that I didn't see the fact that the wall was weakening does not mean every hit did not make a difference. So when it's now the eighth hit hit, boom, and the wall comes crashing down. It's like, wow, we have the breakthrough. Well, the breakthrough started from day one, hit one. Okay, day of Pentecost, On day 10, Holy Spirit falls. And everyone is speaking in tongues. Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved. But Jesus told them to wait in the upper room. Now, today when we pray, when we have our prayer meetings in church, we tend to pray for an hour or two hours, maybe 30 minutes. The prayer meeting they had in the upper room was not a two-hour prayer meeting. It wasn't a three-hour prayer meeting. It was an all day. I don't even know if they stayed in the night. At least, let's just say it was an all-day prayer meeting. Now, if you went to a prayer meeting and you stayed there all day and you were praying, and the next day you stayed there all day, by day three, you would be expecting that at least, having spent all those hours, you are now seeing visions of angels. Or you're having some supernatural, are you hearing me? If I said to you, I spent eight hours praying for three days, you'd be like, oh, what happened after the eight hours? Are you hearing me? They spent all day, day one, nothing. All day, day two, what? Nothing. All day, day three, <laughs> day four. By day six, some people are coming to meeting. They're probably feeling bored. Holy Spirit, you said you were gonna come, Jesus. You you said Holy Spirit was gonna come. We have been praying all day, and I don't even feel a goosebump, and I am feeling sleepy this prayer meeting feels boring day seven all day day eight all day day nine imagine you're a guy in the meeting day nine you say to Peter Peter we've been here for nine days and nothing has happened so far tomorrow is day 10 I've got a business meeting and Peter can I just excuse myself From the meeting tomorrow because there's this business deal. I've been putting it up for so long and I'm just going to excuse myself from the prayer meeting tomorrow. Because I've been here for nine days and nothing has happened. Imagine you were that business guy. So you have no idea. You have been sowing all the seeds for the breakthrough that will come on day 10. And just before the breakthrough comes, you are bought it. Because of your own fleshly perspective of circumstances. You're looking through the natural eye and feeling through the flesh and thinking, I feel nothing and I see nothing, therefore nothing is going on. That's a lie. All those nine days, the realm of the spirit was being prepared for the 10th day. Day one, there was preparations in the spirit. Day two, God was conditioning people's hearts. Day three, he was breaking off all the fleshly desires. Day four, he was getting their minds right. Day five, he was showing them in scripture what he was going to do. Day six, things were being aligned. Day seven, day eight, day nine, everything was in order so that when day 10 came, they were in the right place to handle the fire. So don't you tell me the breakthrough only came on day 10. The breakthrough actually came on day one. It started there, but then was manifested on day 10. Because they went through the process. Uh Hannah was called to go through God's process. And the process was God actually closed her womb. Because of the magnitude of what she was called to carry. Do you realize the meaning of the name Hannah? The meaning of the name Hannah is God has favored me with child. How can your name be? God has favored me with child. And for years, have you ever noticed that oftentimes God gives you a prophetic word and the opposite happens? Joseph, you're going to reign. Boom, they throw you in the pit in prison and all these bad things happen. Oh, the prophet comes. Hey, you stand standing there. Oh, I see God taking you to the nations. I see you having, a, you know, a, multiple streams of income. I see this happening. And the next thing happens, you get eviction notices. Your family throws you out. But look, God, you gave me that word a few days ago. Why is that God hardly ever tells you all the difficult bits? He just tells you the highlights. He doesn't tell you, Joseph, that you're going to go in the pits. And you're going to go in the prison. And it's going to be many years. before. He, don't, he just tells you, oh, you're going you're gonna to have people bow down to you. And you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And you feel, but you have no idea of the process that would lead to that end manifestation. So God gave Hannah a name that to her was a contradiction to a situation. But it was actually God bringing a separation in her life because he was about to bring her to a place of elevation, to a next dimension. The contradiction in the situation was a picture of a consecration and a separation that was meant to bring elevation to the next dimension. So all she could see was contradiction. But what God could see was a new dimension. What are you singing right now? Maybe you came here depressed because you are not just singing right. Your vision about your life and your children and your circumstances is only earthly vision. Yes, I know they've done this and done that and done that. But have you actually seen it from another dimension as to what's really going on? I I don't know if this ever happened to you where you go into prayer depressed. And almost upset with God. And then you come out on the other side. The situation hasn't changed. But all of a sudden, you're different. You feel more courage. You feel more faith. You feel more excited. And in the natural, nothing has changed. But actually, you have changed. And because I have changed, and now I have the right perspective, the situation ends up changing. Hannah was called to give birth to quality. The other wife gave birth to quantity. And in the quantity, you can think there is a lot of productivity. But actually, heaven is not just after quantity. Heaven is after quality. And oftentimes, there's a lot you have to go through to birth quality okay can you name me any of the children of the first wife no because the bible never mentioned any of their names we don't know any of their names but we know she had a lot of them hannah on the other hand we know samuel how is it that samuel and all the other children of the other wife Samuel and all those other children, they all had the same father. But we only remember the name of Samuel. Why? Because no one remembers what comes easy. (laughs) When you're called to give birth to significance, it's not just an easy journey to get to the place where you're able to birth that significance that God is calling to give birth to. The process is often intense. And there are times where you would want to give up. There are times where you feel frustrated. Hannah got to one of those places, and we'll read in the, in the chapter, first uh, chapter in Samuel, where she was in anguish, and it says she was in bitterness of soul. you got to pay attention to the prayers you pray. When you are in anguish, And when you are in bitterness of soul, actually, you need to pay attention, not just to the prayers you pray, but even to the words you speak. When you're in anguish, and when you're in bitterness of soul, you cannot afford to just speak anyhow, because those words, whether they're positive or negative, they carry a lot of potency in the spirit realm. Because of the depth of emotion, like maybe you're in a relationship and you get cheated on or something happens that's terrible, and you're in bitterness and anguish of soul, and then you make a vow. Do you realize what you've done is you've made a decree in the Spirit. And until you have a revelation of what you've done and undo it, that decree becomes a limitation for the rest of your life. Like I would never trust anyone again i would never and begin to release those declarations from the depth of anguish and bitterness of soul the spirit realm registers that that's why elijah was a man of power because he prayed with depth of emotion he wasn't this is not emotionalism he prayed with his heart in his prayer, what makes prayer powerful is not in your grammar and your ability to put words together and your ability to communicate or your ability to articulate a nice prayer. God is not impressed by your English because God doesn't speak English. God is not impressed. Do you realize you could be here saying, God, I want more of you. And as, as far as heaven can see, your heart is saying, Lord, I don't actually want more. I just want to get out of this place and go home and watch TV. So, God, I want more. God is hearing your words, but He's actually listening to your heart. So, what speaks in the realm of the spirit is not just your mouth. (laughs) In the realm of the spirit, your intention and your desire has a voice that is sometimes separate to what your voice. Are you hearing me today? I think I might just buy this teaching today after this service because I am being blessed right now. (laughs) Your voice that you're saying, Lord, I want more. Lord, God can hear that. But what is your heart really saying? God cannot be deceived. You can deceive me and I can deceive you, but we cannot deceive the spirit realm. Angels are watching and demons are watching and they can see plainly what's really going on. So there's no point trying to hide. Let's just be real. So the prayers that bring about a shift are not just well-crafted prayers in, in words and grammar and all that. What heaven is looking for is the heart behind the prayer. That's why Elijah was powerful. And I believe that's why Hannah's prayer Brought about a breakthrough because there was a depth of emotion behind everything she was speaking. It wasn't empty, it was deep, it was heartfelt, and it was real. If your prayers do not move you, why should heaven be moved? If you're not bothered, okay, Pastor John said we're gonna pray for Wimbledon, oh yeah, Lord bless Wimbledon, and you're just doing it because the pastor said your heart is not there. Why would heaven be moved and bothered if you are not bothered? You're just going through the motion. The Lord wants authenticity. Where the voice of your mouth connects with the voice. Doesn't David say that? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart come together and collide and be acceptable. Let there be oneness in the sound that's coming from my life. Some of you are releasing discordant sound. Your mouth is saying one thing. Your heart is saying another thing. Your life is saying another thing. So there's complete disharmony in the sound coming from you. That's why you're not breaking through. Because you're not one in yourself you're confused in yourself so you need to come to the place of agreement lord my heart is not quite there needs to be just be real lord my heart i don't even want to pray right now god lord you know what i love you but i feel offended at you right now because that breakthrough didn't happen this may happen lord i know my perspective is earthly help me to get over this And give me your, see, you're not praying nice, you're just being honest. That's what God's after. It's not after a show of, you know, you're trying to be all this spirit, you look all good, you're looking good to everyone, but in the spirit realm, you have no authority. What's the point? I don't want to be a celebrity on the earth. I want to be a voice in the heavens. And that means I care more about heaven things than what you think. So I want to look good before God, not before you. And if I'm going to look bef- before God, then there are things I might do that may not look good before you. But I'm more concerned about carrying that weight of authority in the heavens. And another thing, and I round up with this, that I feel that made Hannah break through in prayer. This is amazing to me because I've just had a baby. So I understand this dynamic. Now, I'm eager to get back home. Right after the service, I'm getting the first train back home to Manchester. <laughs> because I just want to be back home with my baby. I'm just excited to see her. Now, Hannah prayed, and her prayer is quite intense. She said, Lord, give me a son. And when you give me the son, I'm going to give him back to you. Now, pause. Hannah was not saying she was going to come to the church on a Sunday morning dedication service. And the pastor was going to hold the baby and say, Lord, we dedicate this son to you and then give the son back to Hannah. That's not what she was saying. She said, Lord, give me a son. And then after he's been winned, I am going to give him back to you. And I'm not going to see him again. Now, can you appreciate the weightiness of that prayer? Mothers in the room, imagine you've carried a baby for nine months. You wanted this baby so much. And then you gave birth to the baby. And after winning the baby, you went and left the baby at the pastor's house. Never to see the baby again. Maybe only once or two, twice a year. Uh, Do you understand? Uh, Are you hearing me today? So the prayer ended up stepping into a place of breakthrough. Because Hannah died to the very thing she was desiring. Do you know sometimes your prayer requests can become your idol? Do you remember Abraham? He wanted a son so much, God gave him the son. And then one day God said to him, I want you to kill the son. Abraham got up in the morning, took his son, took the wood, and they start to walk. God says nothing to him. Now, you think that God would have seen Abraham's willingness to obey when he got up. When he took his son, when he took the wood, and, oh, yeah, Abraham, I believe you now. No, no, no. God let him keep walking. And then he got to the mountaintop. God saw that he was willing, but God didn't stop him. God let him keep going. And Abraham put the son on the altar, and God didn't stop him. And then Abraham lifted the knife. As he was about to kill Isaac, God only then said, stop, Abraham. Now I know. God didn't say, now I know, when Abraham got up. He didn't say, now I know, when Abraham was walking. He didn't say, now I know. When, he only said, now, when Abraham lifted that knife. Do you know why? Because as Abraham lifted that knife to kill Isaac, in that moment, Abraham had already killed Isaac in his heart. So there was no point to go through the physical manifestation now Because he had already done the deed. That's why it says in the New Testament that Abraham, as though he received Isaac back from the dead, really. Because he had killed him. The very thing he craved so much. You see, when you start to walk with God, there's some prayer requests you used to pray every day. It's not that they're no longer your prayer requests. But it completely now changes. Because God has done a work on your heart. And it's not that you don't desire that breakthrough, but the way you go about it is completely different. Because now it's not an idol. You've died to it. Death is a pathway for elevation. There will be no resurrection without crucifixion. You want the glory? You have to die. And that death process is not easy. And I believe some of these lessons from the life of Hannah and Mary are so key right now. Especially as we enter this Christmas season, everyone's talking about Mary. Just remember, God is wanting to raise up people like Mary. That would carry the What heaven is praying. See, Hannah was praying for a son. But heaven was pregnant with a prophet. And heaven was so pregnant that it was just looking for an equivalent uh, 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 life on the earth that could bear the weight of what heaven was about to release. And in this Christmas season, as people are talking about Mary and Christmas and Jesus and all that, I just want you to keep this at the back of your mind that God is looking for people like Mary. God is looking for people like Hannah. That will give birth to the revival that Wimbledon needs, that London needs, that the nation needs. Because many of you sat down right now, their nation's tied to your destiny. And your disobedience would affect the people that are called to you. And your obedience will have a great impact as well. So, how about I say, Lord, whatever it looks like, just make me everything you've called me to be. Shock me now out of my complacency, Father. I don't want it to be too late. Do it now. Wake me up from my slumber. Cause me to see things correctly and help me submit to your process. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Pressed Storm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.pressedon.org.